0: One of the things we're going to talk about this morning is proper foundations. What do you think, Pat? Would you live in that house? Yeah. Once. That's a proper use of pallets. Anyway, let's open in prayer. Father, we're grateful that you have laid the proper foundation, the cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ. And upon that foundation, you've instructed us to build carefully. And so as we look into your word this morning... We ask your Holy Spirit, Father, that you might encourage us and teach us and give us the proper plans so that we might build carefully and wisely on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the gospel, and draw people to you to you, so that you may get the glory for the building that you have created on this planet known as the church. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read uh, chapter three again to get the context. Yes. Uh, yeah, it occurred to me, I think I've, this may have actually been on Duford Road, I'm not sure, or maybe Upper Rapid Lightning. <clears throat> I have some, found, I have some um, familiarity with improper foundations, We not in a house, but in a chicken pen one time, <laughs> and the whole side came down, and it wasn't very nice. So, let's read chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, but if you are still for you are still fleshly. For since among you there is for since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says I am of Paul and another I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's <clears throat> excuse me, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written... He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. <laughs> so, depending on how far we make it, we'll be talking about foundations We'll be talking about um, testing of testing of the building that each of us has been asked and been commanded and been given the ability and the grace to build. And so foundations are interesting things um, in, in today's world. The foundation is pretty much a unit, although it is started in one spot. I know when my sons in law build one and I help them, we start in one corner and we make the measurements. And all the measurements basically come from a stake in the ground where your property line is eventually, originally. And then where you're gonna build, you start, you go one direction, you go this direction, you go, and you make, you make a rectangle, usually. Unless you want to create something octagonal or, or something that I don't have the skill to do. The most important part of a foundation in the ancient world was the cornerstone. Off of the cornerstone, everything proceeded. If the cornerstone was set improperly, The rest of the building would be set improperly. I don't even think this one has a cornerstone. Corner Corner pallet. Yeah, for those who are unable to see this because this is uh, an audio presentation only, we have a, I don't know, that must be a 20 by 30 house setting on what looks like four stacks of pallets with a nice board ramp. Excuse me? Okay. So it's much more, much more stable than pallets. Oh, well, then there's no worries. OK, unless. Okay, If this was probably built in Kobe, Japan, Japan, we might have some concern or down near San Andreas. But up here, who cares? Anyway, foundations, we'll be talking about foundations um, and ethical systems and morality and and all of those things that the world thinks in their wisdom that they have a handle on for which they do not. So we're going to start. We we finished up last week with um, the wise master builder in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now, necessarily when you pick a section of Scripture apart, verse by verse, sometimes the context gets lost. And that's why I read the whole chapter every morning. For one thing, that's, that's main context, that's chapter context, but local context, Paul moves from argument to argument to argument. One of the things he's doing, there are many things he's doing by the direction of the Holy Spirit. One of the things he's doing is, is he's, he's divesting the Corinthians of their thought that they can, they can live according to human wisdom. He's also getting them ready, if you will, setting them up in a proper way for the discipline which, which is coming, especially in chapter 5. Because they were not only just founding their, their philosophy on the wisdom of men, which, is, which leads to the things that have happened. But then they were living that out. Remember we talked about this. Bad theology produces bad behavior. Good theology can produce good behavior. Us, we as rebels can even figure out a way to, to mess up good theology. But good theology will produce good behavior. Bad theology will always produce bad behavior. And if the good good behavior comes out of bad theology, it was an accident. <clears throat> and so conceptually, Paul is moving through these arguments. He keeps going back to some of them. He'll continue to go back to the argument of don't trust man's wisdom. We'll see as we go through this section of, of chapter 3 um, that he laid down back in, in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And so it's like he's 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 weaving a tapestry and sometimes he has to take the thread and go all the way back to the beginning and weave it through back to to bring that thought into this part of the rug, if you will. I'm not really good at, at analogies, but I think you get the picture. So we're going to continually touch back on some of the things that he's laid down earlier as he begins to build more and more of a case, if you will, against the Corinthians and yet for the Corinthians. Scripture never just Tells you what you're doing wrong. It's it's responsible and effective for doctrine, for, peru, for for reproof, for correction, for instruction, so that you can live godly lives. So that we can live godly lives. If God doesn't just slap your hand. He said He grabs your hand. Says this is the direction. And so that's what Paul's going to be doing with the Corinthians here. They have laid a foundation, and their foundation is man's wisdom, and it's going to fail them. It's going to fall right when they're cooking dinner, or right when they're laying down to sleep. If you can follow the analogy through, if this, if you had, if my family was in this house, all 24 of us, it would not be pretty, especially the little kids running and playing because they still do that kind of stuff. Imagine if they all ran in this direction and all stopped at the same time. The adults would be screaming, stop running. Why? Because you're going to kill us. And they would be correct. So, verse 11 starts out this way, this section, or if you will, as he continues this section. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Lest the Corinthian believers misunderstand him, Paul makes certain that they are hearing what he is saying. My son has a saying so that he'll know, I'll know he's catching what I'm saying. He'll say, I'm picking up, you're laying down. And then I know that what I'm trying to communicate, because I have a habit, especially... With my family of, of I get ahead of myself. I, I begin saying things that I thought I've already laid the foundation for and I didn't, and they're going, Dad, what are you talking about? So Nick will say, I'm picking up what you're laying down. And I know Paul is laying down stuff that the Corinthians need to pick up. <clears throat> There's no moral system or ethical structure that will provide the proper foundation for the church for the Christian church. The only foundation for all of life. Isn't just the teachings of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ Himself. It is the Savior Himself, and His His dwelling in your in your heart, in your life, that undergirds everything that you do. Just knowing what's right isn't all there is to it. It's knowing the Savior who created what's right. <clears throat> Many of the moral teachings in the New Testament can be found elsewhere, and even secular universities can can teach a remarkably fine ethical system. <laughs> It's getting harder and harder to find them nowadays. None of these things, however, moral teachings, ethical systems, will provide a proper undergirding for the life that God has planned for his children. No religious system of ethics or moral teaching has... I don't want to sound like I'm a pragmatist here, but let's just face it. No moral system, no religious system, no religious tradition, no system of ethics has the staying power of the person Of the Lord Jesus Christ. In your life. The indwelling. Jesus Christ. The spirit of God. In your life. Directing and guiding you. Through scripture. What Christ has done. Is permanent. And and rock solid. If that analogy even applies. As compared to this. This is a life. Built on a foundation. That has. And will. And that is going to end. In destruction. Of some sort. Both. Current. And later term, uh, current and future. Let me put it that way. <clears throat> what you might call um, just as building on an improperly designed foundation results in a severe lack of long term stability. So building our lives on anything but the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ will end up in ruin. What you might call local ruin that is here in, in, in our day now and future ruin. Uh, what ends up for those who end up uh, going to eternal damnation. God never intended his people to found any kind of work they did on anything other than his son. And, his, and even the apostles, if you will, are not a proper foundation. They have built upon the foundation of Christ. Now, the, the scripture talks about the apostles being a foundation. But the cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And from that cornerstone, which is, is permanently laid from that, emanates the rest of the foundation, the the, uh, the teachings of the apostles. They have built upon the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so shall we. But each of us must start with Christ. Therefore, thus says the Lord, (coughs) Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone. It was costly for him to lay that cornerstone. That cornerstone cost him the blood of the very person who was the cornerstone. A costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. And then Ephesians 2.20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That stone from which the tape measure of life is drawn in every other direction. And the level. I am amazed, Galatians Paul says in Galatians 1, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God for a different gospel. Why did I put this in? There's nothing about foundations here which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Any other foundation, any other cornerstone, if you will, is accursed. Anathema. Maranatha anathema, he said. May may it happen that they be accursed and and, and may the Lord come before they can repent. Some people think that believes. Difficult and intolerant as it may sound, Positive thinking, group hugs, prosperity theology, or any other version that does not comport with Scripture provides a foundation that will shift, it will crack, and it will crumble when life happens to it. More importantly, however, none of those methods give glory to God. Yeah, it's gone. This will become a distraction, so we'll just shut it off. My apologies. I have a plug in. It's in my desk at home. I'm in my desk at home. So difficult as it may sound, the only thing that will provide a foundation that will not shift and crack and crumble is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Apostles' teaching are built upon that. But more importantly, as I was just going to say before I was so rudely interrupted by my computer, none of those other messages give glory to God. That's really the foundational important thing. The cornerstone of the Lord Jesus Christ that he was laid for the gospel, for the building of the church. And that church was designed to give glory to God. Everything else gives glory to man or tries to give glory to man. That's what the Corinthians were doing. They were founding their ideas on the philosophy and the wisdom of men. We talked about earlier, months ago, about the 50 or more different concepts, philosophical concepts of how how this all got started, etc., That's what the Corinthians were doing. All of them provide room for self-help, improvement, and even good works. But these are apart from the work of Christ. From the work of Christ in their lives, the Corinthians, he told them. Remember, every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Do we really believe that? Did the Corinthians really believe that? They must not have, because they were not building on the proper foundation. Only what is accomplished by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit has any lasting use, and it will result in praise to God. Everything else attempts to result in praise of men. And we see it today everywhere we go, and unfortunately we see it it's infiltrated the Christian church. And so the method and the methodology becomes more important than the Creator. We're going to talk about how we build on that foundation. Any questions about verse verse eleven? Well, you have to bring it all back to the foundation of Jesus Christ. What do they think of Jesus? And every aspect of their of their religious worship, if you will. And if they're if they're not giving credence to the scripture as portray as Christ is portrayed in the scripture, then what they have is the wrong foundation. And all we can do is warn them. All we can do is give them the truth and warn them and pray for them. But no, I'm not advocating that we then say if they if they argue with us, well, your history, dude. That's not our call. That's not even the beginning of our call. Our call is to is to preach the word in season and out and to be to be there for people who need it. But when they're when they're following wrong doctrine, there does come a time that you may have to, to shake the shoe the dust off your shoes and, and move on. But as much as is possible, communicate the foundation, the proper foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's in so many subtle ways that he is ignored. And sometimes it's difficult to ferret those out and it takes time. But as a person is a student of the scripture and spends time, you'll, it's, it's, what, what is that old saying? When they want to teach, um, bank sellers how to recognize counterfeit money, they make them handle the real thing. So that when a false bill goes through their hand, they can feel it. And that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to be so familiar with the foundation and with the, the, the foundation that was laid on that of the apostles um, emanating from the cornerstone that we, we see, we understand the false when it comes to us. Our... That sounds simple and nice and, and almost like unicorns and fuzzy stuff, but sometimes it's very difficult to spot that. Sometimes it is, and it takes time. And have any of us ever been taken in by the false? No, never. We're all perfect. We don't the book of First Corinthians wasn't written for us. I'm going to just rip it right out of my Bible. <laughs> Heavens, oh no but may it never be said. it's for us every day. These were people who were they were they were saved people. most of these were saved people. They just began to incorporate man's teachings into the scriptural teachings that Paul gave them. and as they did that, what happens when unclean gets mixed in with clean? Does the clean make it? Or does the unclean make it unclean? Haggai knew about that. It dirties the gospel. It offends the gospel. And and people who will not have it will be scandalized, as it says as as we talked about earlier. Anyway, we're not to call them to account. We're not to use that. I used it this morning. Forgive me for that. I did not mean to apply it to unbelievers. It's just an observation that even Paul understood that there is a point in time even Paul. Let me leave out the word even. Paul understood and taught that there is a point in time when people who will not have Jesus, they will be going, they will not They will not have Jesus. They will be going to eternal damnation. And he said, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I wouldn't advocate that we do that. though. Am I clear on that? Okay. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, Verse 12, um, verse 13 says, each man's work will become evident. So, verse 12, the allusion here to gold, silver and precious stones is an apt one and Paul may have had in mind the materials used in the building of the original temple. Gold was positively compared in the Old Testament with the wisdom that Scripture brings and with the law. And in the New Testament, the testing of the faith of believers is compared to the purifying of gold. Now, I have some pictures of smelting and stuff, But I'm, I'm sure you've all seen it where they they heat the gold to very, very high temperatures and the dross boils, floats to the top or and it's skimmed off and then the gold is poured. And that gold has to be subjected to intense temperature and melted. Um, and that's a good that's a good metaphor for the Christian life. Because Sometimes don't you feel like you're being melted? You're being burned. Well, the Lord is not far from you. And so. And and, and I have a section of scripture here I want to go through. They would have been on the screen. but Psalm 19. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And then the verse that is the the allusion Paul was probably casting. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Very pure gold. Um, All of us have probably wedding rings. And some of them are 10 carats. Some of them are... 6, 16, 18 carat, 24 carat. What's what's the most gold? 24 carat, 10 carat, 18 carat? What does 24 carat mean? It means as close as you can get to pure gold. I, I, I think they call it 0.999 fine gold. And that's what that's what uh, this psalmist is talking about. And then also he alludes to something that's sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Psalm 119.72, the law of your mouth. Is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Proverbs 8:10. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. So God says his instruction and his knowledge, not what the Corinthians had, his instruction and knowledge is finer than silver and the choicest gold. Then uh, Proverbs 16:16. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. Again and again, these allusions, allusions were made. And Paul would have been drawing on that, with, especially with his Jewish hearers. First Peter seven, So that, this is what I was talking about with the smelting of gold. So that the proof of your faith, being much more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what the Corinthians would miss out on. The opportunity to praise and honor and glorify the Father at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Precious stones. Now we're talking about precious stones. They were actually described as part of a foundation. Part and parcel with the Son of God. Who is the cornerstone. Building on such a foundation results, it says, in generations of godliness. Isaiah 54.10. For the mountains may be 54.10-14. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from me. And my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony and your foundations I will lay in sapphires. Moreover, I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of crystal and your entire wall of precious stones. All your sons will be taught of the Lord and the well-being of your sons will be great. In righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression. Far for you will not fear. And from terror for it will not come near to you. The promise of God is as we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. With gold, silver and precious stones. He will build into our lives. First of all. The opportunity to praise and glorify and honor him. Which should be our, a, a driving godly compulsion in our lives. But secondly. He will build foundations for generations of godliness. And we see it in some of the families that are in this church that I know, whose parents, grandparents, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are serving the Lord. Because the foundation that was laid in those families was Jesus Christ. Not the teachings of Paul. Not the teachings of Apollos, which we don't have, but or Peter. But the Lord Jesus Christ himself, upon which all of those teachings were built, And they are solid. And and, and a word here. One of the things I see, I've followed this a number of times. People will say, if Jesus didn't say it, it doesn't have as much. It's not as important. If Paul said it, he was just an apostle. Wrong. Wrong. Jesus himself picked those men to be the recipients of the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to put down in words Those things which were most needful for us. Scripture. All of Scripture is inspired, is God-breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in godliness. All of Scripture. I'm not differentiating between the Gospels and the Epistles. What I'm saying is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. The Gospels and the Epistles are the foundation that we build our lives upon, knowing that that foundation isn't, in fact, the Lord Himself. So, we've talked about the precious stones. Um, now there's two different ways of looking at this verse, and both of them I think have application. One of them is what, what I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue with here is that the gold, the silver, and the precious stones are the good building materials. The wood, hay, and stubble, or, or wood, hay, and straw, I'm still living in the King James, are the bad if you will. And so we'll look at that one first. Wood was what false gods were made out of by idolaters. Deuteronomy 28:36. The Lord will bring you and your king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. Deuteronomy 28:64. Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone, which you or your fathers have not known. Isaiah 37:19 and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. Isaiah 44, 19. No one recalls, nor is there knowledge or understanding to say, I have burned half of it in the fire, and also have baked bread over its coals. I roast meat and eat it. Then I make the rest into an abomination. I fall down before a block of wood. He was actually mocking the fact that they would take a log, and they would cut some of it up, And heat their home. Then they would some more of it they would put into their stove or whatever they used to cook and bake their bread. And then they would roast meat over the heat of it. And then the rest of it they'd carve into a stone or to a wood idol and then worship it. How foolish is that? Jeremiah 10.8. But they are altogether stupid and foolish in their discipline of delusion. Their idol is wood. So there's one of the aspects that Paul would have been alluding to when he was talking to the Corinthians. When he, when he was saying that some people will build with wood, this is the wood that the, would have come to some of their minds. Similarly, hay or straw was unfavorably compared with the Word of God and was often compared with something that was easily destroyed or blown away. Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-eight. This one was very instructive. The prophet Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-eight. Look it up on your own time and see, and, and just compare it to this section of Scripture. The prophet who has a dream may relate his dream, but let him who has my word. Speak my word in truth, what does straw have in common with grain? He was comparing the prophet's dream with straw, but the word of God with grain, with food, with something that has value. Job 21.18, are they as straw before the wind, and like chaff which the storm carries away? And then last here would be Jeremiah 13.24, therefore I will scatter them like drifting straws. The clear implication being that the Corinthians should build on the wisdom of God compared to gold, silver and precious and stones and not the wisdom of men, which is compared to wood, straw and hay. These materials, by the way, they do not represent wealth, talent or opportunity and they do not represent spiritual gifts. They represent the responses that every believer has to the good things that God brings into their lives. First of all, the word of God. They represent the works that each of us are are involved in building, hopefully, at the hand of God. And we'll see that in the end of verse 13. Um, The foundation is sure. It is the bedrock of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What we bring to that foundation should reflect love and care towards God and towards men. Of course, they are not saving works. Building on that foundation does not save us. All of that was done by the Lord Jesus Christ and, but we were created for good works, and we should live in them. Works are not the source of the Christian's life, but they are a manifest dem- demonstration of it. They are a manifest demonstration of it. Another possible way, and this is the second way that some of the commentators and, and, uh, and I could see as they looked at it, uh, was that all the materials have their use, and certainly they do in our world, but some are inferior to others. Gold and silver and precious stone are listed together as a group, and each is valuable in their own right. Um, As believers use the gold, silver, and precious stone that God puts into their lives to build on the foundation of Christ, works result which will stand the fire. They will stand the fire test. Wood, hay, and straw have their uses, but they might be compared to in some cases, what it looks like, religious busyness. They may have the appearance of good work, but they are not really. So in both cases, wood, hay, and stubble are not the kind of building materials that God wants us to choose, to carefully choose. He wants us to choose Gold, silver, and precious stones. When they are tested by fire, they will burn up. One commentator put it this way. First, he said, we build by our motives. Why we do a thing is as important as what we are doing. A campaign of neighborhood visitation done because of compulsion is wood. But visiting the same people in love to win them to the Lord is gold. Singing a solo in church and being concerned about how the people like our voice is hay. But singing to glorify the Lord is silver. Giving generously out of duty or pressure from men is straw. But giving generously with joy to extend the gospel to serve others in the Lord's name is a precious stone. Work that on the outside looks like gold to us may be hay in God's eyes. He knows the motives of men's hearts. It is not for us to judge that. We are to, we are to take heed to our own building. What am I building? What am I doing with the, 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 the power and the, and the time that God puts into my life? Um, I'm trying to remember. I was going to look this up and I forgot to. But one of the most important building impetuses in our lives is conflict and, and hurt. What we do when others abuse us, misuse us, or are not good to us. What we do, that can become a shaping tool for some of the work that we, God is building into our lives. He said it this way. He said, never let a good catastrophe go to waste. And the idea being that when difficult things come into your life, one of the purposes for that is the shaping of you, the shaping of me, the shaping of the Corinthians, so that out of it will come, become, will come a more beautiful vessel that holds the Spirit of God. We don't like that. We don't like that. We like the money that comes in. We can build with money, can't we? We like, we like cars and chainsaws. And and when I went to Belize, we we took stuff with us. We took building materials with us and we built. That's the kind of stuff we like. We don't like the difficulties that come into our lives. And I'm not advocating that you start liking them. What I am advocating is that we pay attention. We, We think with care. How can I cooperate with God in this so that gold results? Not for me, but for the praise of God. And he knows the motives of men's hearts. Any comments on verse 12? And then verse 13, which is probably as far as we're going to get. So, reading verse 12 again, because we want to keep this, this little bit of compact here. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hand, straw, verse 13, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Have you ever seen people doing good things, but you know them, and you know why they're doing it, and you know it isn't a good reason? It's not your responsibility to reveal that. Necessarily. I I, I can't say all the time it isn't, but for the most part, God will bring fire into the lives. And the fire will burn away the dross. And what isn't built on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It will be revealed. And that craving we have for justice will be satisfied. It may not come until the day of the Lord. That's a good thing for us to build patience. Whenever a person does to build on the foundation that Christ has has, has, um, provided, will be tested and revealed for what it truly is. If we have built out of motives of love and service with a view toward helping The dross of everything will burn away, but the reward-earning work will remain. If it was gold, silver, and precious stones, the reward-earning work will remain. If the motives were impure and or the work done did not find its root in Scripture, or or if the social gospel was preached without the message of Christ included, those will burn up. Their time will be ephemeral. It will be temporal only. It will not be eternal. They were wood, they were hay, and they were stubble or straw. The day that Paul is speaking of here is the day when the believer will stand before Christ and give an account of his or her life. I'm going to read through some scriptures about that time. Second Corinthians 5.10. If we ever finish First Corinthians, maybe we'll go into Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad. Philippians 1, 6 and 10. Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless in the day of Christ. Choose the excellent, he says. Romans 2:16. On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians 1, 7 through 10. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day. And to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. To be marveled at. Again, as Thomas pointed out, it's not our responsibility to, to point out to them that they may be the recipients of eternal destruction. We don't know the hearts of men. We don't know what they're going to do. We're to deal out the gospel. That's what we deal out. Second Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. And, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Have you ever had a boss show up without you knowing he was coming, and walk in and just to check on your work? If you're your own boss, try it sometimes, and then uh, go ahead and come back and report to us how that worked out. But I've had it happen, and uh, I remember, and, and I failed, and I've not. Both I've been on both. I've been on the receiving of both praise and both. What are you standing around for? I don't pay you to stand around. If you want to stand around, there's an unemployment line that lots of people are standing around in. You want to go there? No, sir. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. We need to be about the work of the Lord. Not out of fear, but out of love. Out of wanting to cause success and praise for the Father. Revelation 20, 12 and 13. And I saw the dead, the great and the small. You know... I'll get, off on this, I'll get off on a rabbit trail. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. <clears throat> and the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, everyone according to their deeds. Again, this is not a testing for the salvation of the believer. It is a testing for the works that the believer did. Salvation is sure once you've trusted Christ. But there will be people who will show up, who will be judged, who will be raised and judged, who will not have much to offer. And, and there have been songs written about this. I was going to bring some of those. Maybe next week I'll remember to do that. <clears throat> Most likely. Yeah. Well, not Second Corinthians 5.10. The Bema seed. All Everyone will be judged according to their deeds. Now, not according, the judgment for salvation is based upon your trusting in Christ Jesus alone. That's it. But the works that we have done, they're going to be revealed by fire before the judgment seat of Christ. What did you do? What did you build with? What, excuse me, not what did you build. Yeah, what did you build with? What did you choose? And how did you build? What kinds of things, when God brought into your life, opportunity to speak out for him, to build for him. Did you take that opportunity? That's what he's talking to the Corinthians about here. When, when you go back and he's going clear back to the beginning again and drawing that thread of the wisdom of men into this tapestry. When you go, when you fall back on the wisdom of men, your building will not be on a sure foundation. When you fall back on the wisdom of scripture, your building will be on a sure foundation, the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. For what did the script, who did the scripture speak of? He said. What did he say to the men on the, on the road to Emmaus? and to everyone else. He said, the scriptures speak of me. The Old Testament speaks of me, Jesus said. You're not picking up what I'm laying down. Paul is pointing out to the Corinthians that they must be ready to stand before the judgment seat. Not out of fear, out of love. But the fact is, everybody's works are going to be tested. Is that of a concern? It's of a concern to me. You know, uh, I, I know I, I want to, oh, I want to be found a proper worker when my boss and my dad, when he was alive, showed up. But more so, I want to be able to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever we have done that has resulted in in uh, profit, if you will, for the gospel, that we can lay at the feet of Christ because He's the one responsible for it in the first place. Um, Luke 19, 11 through 27, if you want to read through that. I'm going to end with that because that's an entire section. So again, let me finish up with this. The person will not be tested. The person will not be tested. Your salvation is sure because it rests on your trust. It rests on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He drew you. He saved you. You did none of it. But after that, In Ephesians, it says in chapter 2 that He created works from the foundation of, of eternity for you to do. And He's giving into your life every day gold, silver, and precious stones. Build with them. Build with them for the glory of God. The person will not be tested. The salvation of the Corinthians and everyone who is saved rests on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is more than gold, silver, and precious stones. He created gold, silver, and precious stones. They are much inferior to the Savior. The work of each believer will be tested. The quality, not the quantity. Although I suspect quantity is important too. If, if much is given, much is required. So as you're, as you're thinking about this, I'm not trying to startle you or to give you or to cause fear. There's no need to be fearful. Those who have trusted Christ and, have, and are, are with Him, are trusting Him, are spending time in His Word, they will be given the things to build with. And you will know. And you will be building with them properly. When you're not, read 1 Corinthians. It's an excellent reminder for all of us that the wood, hand, stubble of life can often seem like the good things. But it's the gold, the silver, and the precious stones that God wants us to use and to build upon. And the first thing we build upon, I don't have the picture up there, is the cornerstone, the foundation, which is laid in your heart, in our hearts, by believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it all emanates from. Let's pray. Father, we are not driven by fear, but by love. We are not encouraged by a whip, but by but by love. You have said that that you will uh, you will build into the lives of your children every good thing. Things that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. Uh, some of that is to come. Some of it is now, as, as the Apostle points out. And so we trust you that as you bring into our lives every difficult thing, you will also bring into our lives the grace so that that difficult thing will become part of a building that will give glory to you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church.